Welcome to Franchise Fan Guys. Today we're going to be talking about the Predator franchise yet again. I'm Tom Breifogel, joined with Andy Schmidt and Skid Marr. How about you say hello? Uh, hey, I'm Andy Schmidt, and we're going to rename this show um, Dismantling Tom Psyche One Franchise at a Time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm Skid Marr, and if I bleeds, we can kill me. To what you just said, Andy, yeah, I feel like I should do the analytics. I bet of the hundred and so movies we've seen, I bet I would have never watched at least 60 to 70 of them ever in my life if we didn't do this podcast. I would have watched zero of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, so I appreciate (laughs) bringing those (laughs) into my life. That's for sure true. And the other Uh, Hellraiser movies I would have never seen. Yeah, and I apologize again for Hellraiser, guys. I, I, I didn't... I was off. I was off. No, Turns out I'm glad we watched those, those. I'm glad we watched those movies. And then the new, the series is coming out. So we're, we're completely yeah. prepared for the new yeah. series. So Hellraiser you're going to hear more about Hellraiser fans. All right. <laughs> Let's dig in on Predator here. Let's do this. All right. So each film assembles a cast of human characters to kill. Do you have a favorite group? And if so, why? Andy? Well, I mean, I think the easy answer is the first group from the original um and we talked about that a little bit last episode or at least i did about how awesome like how perfectly cast those guys are and directed by mctiernan but like bill duke and carl what like they they bring so much more than is in the script they bring so much more intensity and believability to those characters that it makes the whole thing feel more real and i don't think any of the sequels really capture that even prey which we were talking about that we like a lot there's stuff in prey that just takes me out of the movie and i just don't find like as like that that goes just a little too far and i don't quite and i don't buy it whereas there's really nothing which and i realize how dumb this sounds there's nothing in the first predator movie that i find unbelievable um yes i know how dumb that sounds but like and, and it's because of the way that it's directed and it's acted that those actors like make the stuff feel real there and there is a scene there are scenes in multiple sequels that are very similar to when like anna talks about how the hunter that makes trophies of men like comes and she's got that whole little like she's got that whole little speech we have similar speeches in just about every other predator movie that's the only one that really works it's the only one that carries any emotional weight or feels like she's talking about something that she's even, she's even scared to talk about it. Um, and, and that makes the rest of the, the predator itself like feel real. So, so for that reason, those reasons, I'd say the first group of characters is the best. Um, I dislike Bill Paxton, uh, so much <laughs> in Predator 2. He's really great at that role, but he's so annoying that uh, he's about the only one that I kind of like internally cheer when he gets offed. Um, and Predators, I, 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 I think I said this last time, like I think Predators is better than people kind of give it credit for it has its issues which we kind of got into a little bit last time too but but i for the most part i like that cast but i don't think that cast is as strong as the cast in the in the original and i have fun with the cast in the predator like i think like like you said last time tom like it's more jokey and stuff and like i kind of enjoy the jokes 
Um, so I kind of enjoy like, and there, and there are bits about those characters that I really like that, like the, um, uh, the one, the one character who like shot his CEO. And then later you find out that he was the CEO and he was potentially committing suicide. Um, like there's, there's stuff like there's really like, they're actually more well-developed than most of the other characters in any of the other ones. Um, and I like the main girl and her brother in prey. I, I do mm-hmm. like them, but yeah, I'd go with the, I'd go with the first one still in terms of the cast of characters. How about you guys? As a cast of characters, probably Prey, but I don't know why I got a soft spot for Danny Glover in part two. He's great. He's a really good actor. I have a funny Danny Glover story, by the way. Have you heard this story? Probably not. Uh, My friend friend Dave uh, Flomberg was in the Denver airport one time, and uh, Danny Glover was like trying, he was going through the concourse, like trying to make his flight, I, I guess. And there was a line of people and like they were, there's this guy like standing in front of him, blocking him in, in his way. And Danny Glover is like, excuse me. And the guy didn't hear him. He's like, excuse me. So it's like, no reaction. It's like, excuse me. And the guy turns to him, looks him up and down. It's just like, hey, hey, Riggs. And Danny Glover pushes past him and he says, I was Murtaugh, asshole. <laughs> I love that story. It's so funny. Um, so, <laughs> this feels like he's just poor Danny Glover. He's just always getting disrespected. And he's one of our finest actors. He's great. Uh, I, I mean, I love the f- group of the first movie so much. Because it's so testosterone-y. That is the most testosterone group of guys you are going to find in uh, a, a movie that people stay for more than 15 minutes watching. Uh, this is, this is, there's a lot of muscles in this movie. And the, the chemistry of those guys on screen is just, is fantastic and i think i think they had like an eight-week boot camp that they had with like a military advisor down in the mexican jungles and they were watching a documentary about it like they're all like getting up at four o'clock in the morning like pumping iron in secret like each one of them is just like pumping iron so they could show up on set they look as good you know as everybody and there was i saw jesse ventura uh, he was saying, it's just like, yeah, so turns out I have my biceps are an inch bigger than Schwarzenegger's. That made me real happy. And they go to <laughs> Schwarzenegger and he's just like, yes, no, I told Wardrobe to say that. <laughs> like, I told him to say that, that, tell him that his biceps are bigger than mine. And then we had that we measured them. <laughs> we measured them on set and mine are three bitches, inches bigger than his. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, and like that group is, and then, yeah, I mean, it's hard to beat a cast that produces two governors. And, and actually, Sonny Landham, uh, he ran for office too uh, a few times uh, with disastrous effect. Uh, one of the worst campaigns like anyone's ever run. Um, but if you had told me, like, in 1987, hey, two of these guys are going to be future United States governors. I wouldn't have guessed and, those two guys. Yeah, those wouldn't have been my first two picks. No. Uh, yeah, for that. 
Yeah, I, I mean that 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 it's it's funny. Like I'm talking about the the gravity, right? That they bring the realism mm-hmm. that they bring, and you're like, it's all about the muscles and the testosterone, which you're right too. Like I think I think both of those things are right. You know, like but that's the thing is it's like it is that testosterone, and they're all taking it so seriously that it's just like because you you start watching that movie, it's just like this is going to be ridiculous. This is like a cr- stupid like eighties movie with this is like giant muscles and everything. But everybody takes it so seriously that it has both those elements mashed up in a way that you almost never see. So it's yeah. Yeah, well, I think maybe my favorite scene in that first movie is the scene where they all are just shooting the jungle for like five minutes oh yeah it's just it's just guns blazing and the jungle gets mowed down into nothing they like clear the jungle out with with rapid fire and it's like there's something about even even now into my 40s i'm still like that's kind of awesome (laughs) like it is it's still cool (laughs) right and i don't know why (laughs) it it is but like i still like that um yeah that's interesting tom how about you because these were all new to you so like you have a very different perspective because you didn't have that like that love of the original obviously because you like predator 2 more (laughs) oh god yeah no i I think prey was as the ensemble yeah i think prey was the best as far as a group of people but yeah i don't feel like because i mentioned in the last episode how all of these movies feel completely different the vibes are totally different it's just that there is an alien here killing them i think the predator is the key thing that has to stay the 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 people don't matter nearly as much but yeah i don't know uh prey or predator 2 gary Busey. i mean <laughs> but i forgot i forgot that uh, morton downey jr was in this movie he plays the reporter in this movie who was you guys might be too young, but he was sort of the progenitor of the whole kind of uh, uh, shocking talk inside shows, edition yeah. talk shows, like all the like shock, shock, shock. Like basically, he was the first guy to do that on TV. And I, I watched yeah. that show, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's right! This yeah, the guy was... that we can blame for seventy percent of the problems in the culture today." There he is for, for Jerry Springer. Uh, who was right. mayor of Cincinnati, by the way, speaking yes. of other famous people in the other office. Um, uh, yeah, he's, he's great. You do realize that Predator 2 does have three people from Lethal Weapon and at least one from Die Hard. Uh, so that is something to be said for that cast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Gary Busey is awesome. Also, I had totally forgotten Adam Baldwin was in that movie and he was supposed to, they, he was supposed to be in several other, um, predator movies also. Oh, but then, but then wasn't due to scheduling conflicts or wise decisions on his part, whichever, whichever works. Um, that's interesting. So pray, pray and predator to get the nod from, from Tom. Hmm. Did you guys watch it in English? Did you watch Prey in English? Or did I did you watch, watch it in the... English. I, I so it's it um so it's the I, I wanted to watch it in in com I thought there was a version yeah, so it's dubbed there's a Comanche dub of it. Mm-hmm. Um and I started to watch it, but I stopped because I think it was like the subtitles. The way Hulu displayed the subtitles was like really weird and distracting and not good. And so, but I wanted to watch it with the Comanche. Did you watch it with the Comanche? I did. That's the only way I've seen it so far. And it it was uh, it was distracting. I wish they had shot it in Comanche. 
yeah. uh, instead of dubbing it. Uh, I think that man, that would have made a lot of difference. But it was, it was, it was still cool. Like once I got over that kind of disconnect, uh, I really, really, I'm glad I watched it that way. Yeah, I probably will. I think subtitles are something that need to be enhanced so much. Like everyone's lazy on subtitles. So many different streaming networks. Sometimes they put the subtitles up too late. Sometimes they put them up too early. Yeah. Why don't we have it where each word appears when the word is said? I don't understand. Uh, yeah. I, I watch everything with subtitles. I do too. I think Everyone that... does now. Because th- like sound mixing is like a lost art. Like every, it's either like the explosions and sound effect like can be so loud and then dialogue is like so relatively quiet. Like I have a lot of trouble understanding what anyone's saying in most movies and shows now without subtitles. So to our next question, Predator borrows from war films, horror, and science fiction. It moves across genres and even includes some spy stuff. Do you think those are all uniquely important to Predator as a franchise, or do you want to see it move beyond those genres? Or would you want it to be limited to fewer genres? Andy? I don't think those genres specifically are important other than sci-fi because you know alien but um but i think the mixing of the genres is helpful otherwise i think it starts to get stagnant pretty quickly um and i think that's something that some of the sequels kind of struggled with like there's a strange variety and like sort of a secret sauce sort of thing i think in the first predator that tends to be lacking in the others um and it's lacking in Prey also, um, but I think Prey kind of does a better job overcoming it to a certain degree. But, um, but yeah, I don't know that it's that mixture of things. And like in Predator Two, when they start talking about the history of the Predator and they're going to do this and the all the technology and the blah blah blah, and in and in. Um, you know, certainly in the Aliens versus Predator movies, when they like get, you get into like all these like the lore of the Predator and the history of the Predators and all that sort of stuff, like I, I I'm out at that point because it just that's not what I care about with the Predators. Um, you can give I've me. I've never like, seen those movies, but I was happy to not have the backstory. Well, and and you'd be more happy to not have the backstory after watching that movie, um, <laughs> but. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't mind the allusions to it, but like, I don't want to deep dive into predator lore. Like the reason I'm going to a predator movie is to see an ultimate alien hunter hunt something cool. But then that's hard to sustain for two hours just in and of itself. Um, and so it's I also think, hard to sustain like over multiple films, like eventually you're, you're right. going to have to just start diving into like what the, some of, and some the of the first lore and the and the, story here. Yeah, and the first movie has a huge advantage in that we don't know what the predator is. Um and yeah. and I don't think any of the other predator movies have really addressed that properly. Prey, I don't think I don't think anybody ever made a decision uh like a conscious decision <laughs> of like do we want to <laughs> when do we want to reveal the predator because the predator is revealed in Prey in like a really lame way. Um, it's like not at all dramatic. And then, 
and then like so then like your audience knows what the predator is even if they're new even if they'd never seen a predator movie now the audience knows what the predator is at, but like the characters in the movie still don't so there are things like that that i don't think work very well but need to be addressed so like i think they would have been wise to have sort of mashed up more stuff and um like with more genres or whatnot with what they were doing in in the future franchises but that's a real problem for any future predator film um is half your audience going in theoretically we'll call it half your audience knows what the predator is what it's about and there's a big chunk of your audience that probably doesn't so how do you how do you bring those people up to speed while not boring the people that know what the predator is that's going to be an issue with any sequel um and so yeah so I'm in favor of mashing up more genres in it because I think it'll it'll add spice to any movie. I think that's too one of the reasons the first movie works so well is it it it, it does feel like a mashup. Like when you you watch the first like 20 minutes, and you could be completely forgiven for thinking this is just like a bombastic 80s action movie, and it could be that movie. Like I was like this, this is pretty good. This is a pretty good like action movie, and then it's like then it then it like brings the sci-fi element in later and yeah it, that it works so it works so well it's chocolate and peanut butter it's like it's it's so yeah it is it is a mashup like from the beginning yeah, how how you bring the mashups together I, I do think is really important yes um, for sure it's a really good point also i'm going to tell you something that that you may already know but if you don't you're going to be like yes of course um the stunt guys for the big action sequence at the beginning of the first Predator that's just men shooting at each other and explosions um, were was most of the stunt team from the A-Team TV show. I did not know that. That's but awesome. now that okay. I've said it, you're like, <laughs> yes, the men flying through the air in slow motion with a big explosion behind them is exactly how people flew through the air with giant explosions behind them in the A-Team TV <laughs> show. A specific set of skills that was yeah. uh, uh, very yeah. much in demand in the late 1980s. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to derail, but any chance to bring up A-Team is a chance <laughs> worth taking. Tom, what, did you have, do you have thoughts on that one? Yeah, I went in thinking these were going to be much more straightforward horror movies. And I kind of would like another one where it is 20% more horror. But yeah, I do like the, the combining of the genres. Yeah, some are more action-y. Some, when you said spy in this question, I guess that, are you are you referring to the, the predator vision? Like, because he's like stalking people and no more like the secret agencies and the and that's more alluded to than than you know and the fact that there's like you know the cia are involved in the first one and they cooked up this you know this this clearly false story so like there are there it's it touches on sort of spy genre type stuff without going like fully into it yeah there's a little bit of there's hints of intrigue yeah in yeah yeah, but I think you definitely have to, yeah, cross genres, except for, like I said, I really didn't like the comedy aspect. Not that The Predator was a comedy movie, but there was a lot of comedy in that. I'd prefer to see more sci-fi, more horror, like like up both of those, and especially horror. But yeah, sci-fi, when they up the sci-fi, it's when it gets worse, though. That is true. Maybe it's just not done the, 
in the right way. I, 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 yeah, I'd, I'd want to see what that looked like if you were able to, you know, turn up the sci-fi dial a little bit and, and have it be, be good. Yeah, I'd love to see what that looked like. One, one of the things that John McTiernan says on the commentary track, so his commentary track was done years later for the, for the, for the Blu-ray or the DVD release or whatever. Um, whereas most of the other commentary tracks are done, like even prior to the movies being released in theaters, uh, which also is sort of interesting. It's interesting how, when the commentary track was made is important. Um, but in McTiernan, oh, for sure. No, yeah, in, yeah. It, in McTiernan's commentary track, he, at one point, he doesn't talk a lot. Like it, you're mainly just watching the movie and then every once in a while, like this guy chimes in and you're like, where'd you come from? Um, <clears throat> but <laughs> One of the things that he did talk about was how the studio and the script for Predator called for there to be the final action sequence was supposed to be in the Predator ship and you were supposed to see the ship and go into it and all this sort of stuff. And he was like, he was like, I couldn't, this was my first feature film, so I couldn't just tell them no. So he, <laughs> so he was like, and he just felt like it was just going to be really dumb and bad. And he's like, I know they did in the sequels and I don't think they should have like, like it's just better if it's about the predator and like it opens up too many cans of worms and anyway and so he he basically just made these case like he would kept making these cases I think of like why it was going to be too expensive and they didn't they you know they didn't know it was going to be a, a hit so they he wound up being able to avoid having to go into a spaceship and that sort of stuff because he he oh. made it sound like it was going to be too expensive and his take on it was it's not about that stuff. It's about these two characters. And if we take mm -hmm. these two characters and then we put them on this spaceship, all of a sudden it's about all this other stuff again. And he wanted it to stay about those, those characters, um, which it's I really... think is one of the strengths of Predator. Yeah. <laughs> is that it stays focused and like, really, hey, way to, way to save the studio a bunch of money and make your movie better <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> well done. Yeah. He really is very good. Very good storyteller. So, talking about the sequels one at a time, especially my favorite, Predator 2. <laughs> Did it hurt the franchise, do you think? Did it help the franchise? What are your thoughts on, when, I guess that's when this became a franchise, when Part 2 came out. Uh, we've heard your thoughts in the last episode about when you saw it, but now, in hindsight, what are your thoughts? Did it help or hurt? Skid? Yeah, I think... The original movie, it does it sets that tone that I was I, I was talking about. Where it, it, it this is like over the top. This is pro wrestling. I should put a pro wrestler like in the movie. Like this is this is pro wrestling. This is heightened reality. Everything, but they like it's it, it's ballasted by these perf performers and performances making it feel very feel real with with that like heightened reality that you're starting off with predator 2 has the heightened reality but it it doesn't have the ballast so it just flies uh out of the earth's orbit of, under its own momentum it's just it's just it's just gone it's just out there and I would say I would say also it has not aged well, which we hit on about like the stereotypes and that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's yeah, that yeah, whereas totally. the original Predator doesn't have that to as much a degree. And it reminded me; it made me think of RoboCop too, 
which came out around a couple years before, before RoboCop this, also uh, or RoboCop 2? RoboCop also, sorry, RoboCop also. Okay, all right. Okay. Let me think of RoboCop also. But that specific kind of late 80s dystopic vision of the future is yeah, of the near something, future, yeah. The near future, yeah. Honestly, strangely enough, the one thing they got right was the global warming. Like they actually did kind of nail. But but yeah, it's just like this, this just these like uh, overarmed roving gangs that run Los Angeles and are just like shooting people uh, indiscriminately. Just a, a literal war zone like happening in in Los Angeles. Like this is a world that really only exists if you watch uh, certain cable news networks that, that exist in your head. So this is uh, that, was, that goes to the Broadway play part of it. That was ridiculous. <laughs> it the, is. The it's absurd. It's absurd. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's this. It's this fever dream, uh, fever dream vision of the future. That is this sort where, of where cops have video game guns. Right. Right, and and they're not. They don't have enough guns. That's the problem too. The cops need more guns. That's the problem. They don't. They're being outgunned by these gangs in L.A. They need. They need more tanks and and rocket launchers. This is like you know, but this is like this sort of outgrowth of a lot of these sort of viewpoints that were, you know, very popular, like in that part of America's yeah, history. And- and like the 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 mid late eighties nineties, there there was this thing in like American culture where like your hero. I think we talked about this in Top Gun, where like your hero was often like the guy that broke all the rules and like mm-hmm. he was always right and he yelled at everyone. And Danny mm-hmm. Glover yells at everyone in this movie he except does. when except <laughs> except when he except when he's going Danny boy Danny boy. Right. Uh, it's the only time he's not yelling. And like he like cusses out his boss. He defies orders. He, like in the opening scene, he defies the orders not to go into the building. He goes into the building. At least three police officers get killed because he goes into that building. <laughs> that is not referenced at any point no. that that people died. There should like, be a and, full board of inquiry. Right. Like that's not even like a thing. <laughs> like like it's just like this tacit recognition that those weren't real people. Um mm-hmm. You know, like, it's just this, uh, you know, like, and, you know, when I saw the movie when I was 14 years old or whatever, like, it like it was, I didn't notice those things because I was in that culture at that point. And now that we're not in that same moment in time, like, that stuff just stands out, like, terribly, like, how horrible and awful these characters are. Um, Yeah. So I would say that at the time, I don't know that, like, I think they could have moved into a Predator 3. I don't think it got the reception or quite did the box office that they wanted. But I think, I think a smart group of producers and and the right, you know, screenwriters and director could have made a Predator 3 not long after that and, and kept the franchise going and, and like course corrected a bit. But that obviously didn't happen. Um, but I think now, if I were in charge of the Predator franchise, not that we want to leap to our final episode, I would look at Predator 2 and be like, this is a movie we don't need to reference. Not like we need to take it out of continuity, but like, I don't think we need to reference this movie all that much anymore. Like, it just, yeah, because it just doesn't hold, it, it has not aged well and is, and is pretty cringeworthy 
now for sort of more cultural reasons than anything else. I'd just be like, yeah, let's just leave that on the shelf. Like, just don't touch it. Don't, you know, just let it, let it be what it is. It's a product of its time and it's, it's fine over there. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> like that's how I would, that's how I would view it. So it seems like it, it seems like it's kind of detrimental to the franchise now, but, you, but, but only if people are going back to it. Right. So if you just don't tell people to go back to it, it's probably fine from yeah, le- just legitimately it. just like from a franchise business perspective, that's probably the best way to look at predator two at this point. You know what part of it is too, I think is that predator is a movie that's grown in its esteem over the years where uh, like, I don't know that they were just like when predator came out, they're just like, okay, this is a hundred percent like a cornerstone cinematic franchise we have on our hands. We've got to start cranking these movies out. Like it wasn't, it didn't really have like people liked it a lot, obviously, but it didn't have like the near like universal level of respect that it has today at that time. So I think like when the first movie came out, it was like, oh, okay, let's make another one. And it like was not that great. It's just like, okay, forget it. You know? Yeah. But as the years have gone on, it's just like, oh, wait, yo, Predator. It's just like, it is really important. Okay. Now it's like, now we do kind of have to make an, we should make another right. one. You know? Yeah. People still talk about Predator. Like years after Predator 2, people still talked about Predator 1. Nobody was talking mm-hmm. about Predator 2 at that point. Yeah. yeah. And you could say that too about some of the other things we've talked about. You know, it was really in the eighties when when Hollywood started getting really sequel happy. But like, there didn't have to be a sequel to Predator or Terminator or Alien. Like, they didn't need you didn't need sequels to those things. Like, they if there hadn't been a sequel, I thought I don't think people would have been like shocked that there was no sequel. Nowadays, if you have a hit, you have to have a sequel. Like. You know, nobody makes a contract in Hollywood that is that is less than three pictures long, mm-hmm. just in case. It is funny, though, remembering back to that point, like the 80s, that was one of the jokes that was going around. It's just like, everything's a sequel. Like, you're on Mad Magazine, and it's just like, uh, Ordinary People 6. It's like, coming out this fall. It's like... <laughs> It's. The, I remember that being a joke, but it's like it, now, in retrospect, it doesn't. It really doesn't feel that way compared to now, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that. There was that joke in um, in I Am Legend, the Will Smith movie, where they have like a Batman versus Superman marquee, which was. Oh yeah. Uh, my understanding is that, that like that was a joke. I'm like that's a that's a really terrible movie now. Well, that's it for this episode of Franchise Fan Guys. If you're a Patreon subscriber, stick around, where Andy is going to break down AVP. Thanks for listening to Franchise Fan Guys, Predator, Episode 2 of 4. Please write a review and give a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Intro music by Tom Breifogel and John Harvey. To connect, visit FranchiseFanGuys.com, at FranchiseFanGuys on Instagram, and at Guys Franchise on Twitter. Franchise Fan Guys.